Live. Live. Live from... This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me for freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast with New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fan. Your host, Mike Phillips. Good show for this week. The Super Bowl is here. We're getting ready to preview the big games in the Chiefs and the Buccaneers on Sunday with Russell Baxter. Very knowledgeable football guy. We've talked to him podcast a couple times before, so we'll talk to Russell, preview the matches of the big game, the keys for everything, and get some thoughts on how the game could play out. Also do the final edition of Showing the Money for 2020 season. Super Bowl picks that my buddy Kevin Lillis. Talk about the Jets a little bit too. The Salah hire Deshaun Watson officially requesting the trade. So that'll be some fun for sure. Make sure you stick to the end of the show for our pop culture spot. We're talking about the Super Bowl lead-out program. And, and usually, you know, show comes out of the Super Bowl, usually gets big ratings. This year, CBS made an interesting choice. Talk about Alan Austin and a little bit of history of this idea. But we'll start with the opening tip. My thoughts on the big game right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. All right, we are back here talking about the Super Bowl and Chiefs Buccaneers on Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, there's so many storylines with this game. You got to start out, obviously, the quarterback matchup. Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. As as Kevin Walsh said last week on the podcast, basically, you know what? This is sort of like if we got the LeBron versus Kobe NBA final. We have the GOAT in Tom Brady versus his successor of the game's best quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, these teams met in the regular season. Kansas City won 27-24 week 12. The game was not as close as final. Kansas City jumped out 27-10 in that game. Tampa Bay came back, made a game at the end, but Chiefs still won. That game in Tampa, obviously where the Bucs will be the first home team in Super Bowl history. Funny thing about how that worked out, by the way, because the original plan is this Super Bowl will be held at the stadium out in Los Angeles, but massive rains in the spring of 2017 and 2018 happened and they delayed the thing a year. So instead, the NFL has to go to Tampa to solve this game and put this game somewhere. And the Bucks, first home team Super Bowl history to play in their home stadium. I and mean, we had a couple before. We had the Rams play in the Rose Bowl. We had the 49ers play in Stanford Stadium. But this is the first time a home team is playing its home stadium. Unfortunate timing for them, given the pandemic. You know, they only have 22,000 fans in attendance. Although the league did a good job here. The league's given 7,500 tickets to vaccinated healthcare workers. But, again, fantastic for them. But if this game was played a year from now and Tampa Bay was the home team, the home field advantage could be massive. And I don't think it's be a big deal, as, it, as you've seen in the lines. Sort of not really weighed that in that much. The big injury here for this game. Chiefs left tackle Eric Fisher out after tearing his Achilles in the AFC Championship game. Key pass deck for Patrick Holmes. He's already dealing with turf. So that's a big, big problem in this game. We saw with Shaq Barrett and JPP, they did to the Packers offensive line. He didn't have David Bakhtiari. And this could be the way Tampa Bay stays in this game, is if JPP and Shaq Barrett can get around the edge and not even get to Mahomes all the time, just, you know, hurry him, slow him down a little bit, make him think a little bit. That could keep him in this game. 
It's also worth watching this game to me is Tom Brady's throwing. Brady was not good the second half of the NC title game. He had some throws going high. He was making tough decisions deep down the field. He had that awful throw where he's being chased by a rusher. He's pedaling like back foot. He's basically sprinting backwards, throws off his back foot, throws an interception. The travel thing is also going to be interesting in this game because it's unusual because Super Bowl week is virtual. Media day on Monday is not going to be online, not going to be in person. It's going to be online. Tampa Bay will be home. It's not a big deal for them. Chiefs are flying in on Friday, like a usual game week. So all the usual stuff is not going to be the usual stuff. Amazing to see what happens in this game. A lot of fun. We're going to get into it more with Russell Baxter right after this call from the AFC Championship game, courtesy CBS Sports' Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Here's Mahomes. Look at underhand, and he throws it for the touchdown. How about that throw? Always a little something different, and Travis Kelsey has the touchdown. Where the guy in the middle. One guy's going to come right back in the middle. And that's a touchdown pass to Kelsey. I used to love those little underhand touchdown passes that I get credit for, <laughs> and I did nothing. All right, we are back here getting ready to preview Super Bowl 55, take a deep dive into the matchup. Join me today, the very knowledgeable pro football, Bax football guru on Twitter, Russell Baxter is here. Russell, how are you? I'm good, Mike. How are you? Doing pretty good. I got to say, I'm very excited about this matchup. What was your initial thoughts when you saw this lock in as Chiefs Buccaneers? Well, I mean, it, it, the irony of a team playing uh, a Super Bowl in its home stadium when there's really not going to be a home field advantage was one thing. Um, although I give enormous credit to the NFL by them sending out, what's it, 7,500 healthcare workers are going to be attending the game of the 22,000. You know, bravo to the league who is, you know, 10 days away from pulling off a full season, which I'm sure a lot of people weren't sure they were actually going to get it in. Um, it's, a, it's a rematch from the regular season. We reached the last game the Buccaneers lost this season. Um, and I still have visions of Tyree Kill running through the Buccaneers secondary um, for over 200 yards in the first quarter. Uh, and yet Tampa Bay made it close. Um, you know, you got a team that's won seven games in a row, Mike. And you got a team that's 25-2 and two in its last 27 games. So um, this ought to be fun. It will be a lot of fun. You brought up a lot of interesting points. I want to start out with that Week 12 game, which you mentioned the rare opportunity to get a regular season rematch in the Super Bowl. And you mentioned Kansas City wins 27-24. They jump out big in that game, 27-10. I said Tyreek Hill's running through the second year of the first half. Tampa comes back in the second to make it close. So what is worth remembering from that matchup? What like, sticks out to you? Something to watch going into this game? Well, uh, the Kansas City defense making plays near the end of the game to preserve the win. Um, I thought that was the key because you know, Tampa Bay and Tom Brady were going to make a run at one time or another. And it was part of, you know, it's part of that second half of the year where a lot of people were very critical of the Chiefs because they weren't, quote unquote, winning by enough. Okay. I, that, that must be a new statistic. Um, and I've been doing this for a long time. I've never heard the stat winning by enough. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Tom Brady on a Super Bowl team in three of the four years where they won all three Super Bowls by a field goal? Yeah, that's correct. Was that? I mean, was that enough? <laughs> I would think so. I would think so too. So, um, listen, twenty-five and two speaks for itself. By the way, one of those losses when they sat a lot of people against the Chargers in Week Seventeen. Um, here's what, here's the little. Uh, by the way, this is the fourteenth time 
that teams met during the regular season and then meet the Super Bowl. Uh, the team that won the first game, six and seven. So we shall see. Um, what's also very interesting is you've got a Tampa Bay team that, again, is playing in its own stadium. And they were five and three at home this year. Uh, and Kansas City went eight and no on the road. So take that for what it's worth as well. So there's all, I mean, you could talk about a hundred different things and not even get to Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. Um, this will be the second time in three years they will meet twice in the same season and meet in the postseason. Okay? Two years ago, uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots won both games. And uh, amazing as it seems, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs scored 40 points in Foxborough and lost and 31 points at home in overtime and lost. Last year, Mahomes got the better of him um, in Foxborough this year. Mahomes and the Chiefs won at Tampa. So, um, you know, it's, it, it, I don't want to call it a rivalry, but it's going to be the fifth meeting in three years between a living legend and, uh, you know, one of the bright stars in this league and one of the brighter quarterback prospects that come up in a while. Yeah, I think in terms of the Brady-Mahomes thing, I, I, I had a guy, my, my friend Kevin Walsh from SportsGrid last week was on my podcast, made a good, interesting comparison, sort of NBA terms. It's sort of like, we got the LeBron Kobe file he never got, and we're getting that one Brady Mahomes playing through. What do you think about that analogy? Well, that's not bad. Yeah, that's. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I could definitely see that. It certainly makes sense as far as the generation uh, and so on. And um, yeah, the fact that it's actually now going to be the Super Bowl, and, and two years ago was the AFC Championship game. And but I'll tell you what stands out the most about this matchup. Now we're actually talking about the matchup line. Um, as you know, Mitchell Ford hasn't been playing for the Chiefs, the right tackle. And on Sunday, they lost Eric Fisher, the left tackle, to an Achilles injury. And I watched Aaron Rodgers get sacked five times last Sunday with Indomitian Sue and Jason Pierre Paul, who has, you know, played probably the best football since he left the Giants after, you know, the hand accident and all that. And Shaq Barrett. And can they keep. Patrick Mahomes out of harm's way. Now, I will say this. Roger, Aaron Rodgers can be mobile, but Patrick Mahomes is a different kind of mobile. Okay? I'm not saying he's Lamar Jackson. Okay? But he knows how to maneuver. He knows how to get out of trouble. He knows how to throw the football from so many different directions, sidearm, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's going to be the thing to watch because they're not going to be able to keep that pass rush out of there forever. And... I'll be also interested to see who on the Buccaneers tries to cover Travis Kelsey. And I say that because Devin White has had a terrific two years in the league. And I'm wondering if Antoine Winfield Jr. can't play, would they put Devin White on Travis Kelsey? I always like to throw this out because we're 54 years and still hasn't happened yet. We've never had a tight end named Super Bowl MVP. Yes, that's really true. I feel like you're reading from my notes about the offensive line thing. I had that Eric Fisher thing down, and that's also something you mentioned about Mahomes mobility. And he has dealing with turf toe right now. It didn't look like it bothered him too much in the AFC Championship game, but and with no Fisher, possibly no Mitchell Schwartz here. Like I feel like that's going to be a big deal, especially if Shaq and Shaq Barrett and JPP are getting in the backfield a lot. Yeah, well, you saw him last week. The one thing about uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, if you noticed this year, they've also been dropping him in the coverage. Okay. You know, and I think that has caught teams off guard. And I wonder if they're not going to do it again against the Chiefs. And he's got 
they'll have it in front of me. Right off the top of my head, I, can, I think I remember at least two interceptions this year by Jason Pierre-Paul. So they, Todd Bowles has really mixed things up in that regard, kept teams off balance. And I will also say, though, that Buccaneer secondary, as good as the pass rush can be, that, ta- that secondary can be extremely vulnerable, especially the big plays. Um, when Patrick Mahomes was done in that game, by the way, was, uh, he, he got a lot in the first quarter. But Tyree Kill still finished with 13 for 269 and three. And Patrick Mahomes in Tampa Bay flew for 462. So those are pretty big numbers to overcome. Yeah, you mentioned Tyree Kill, and he, I would say, obviously, like, if he does something like that again, he's going to win the Super Bowl MVP regardless of what Mahomes does. So, like, you got to think Todd Bold right now is sitting in his meeting room saying, how do I stop Tyree Kill and how do I keep him wrecking the game? What do you think they're going to try and do to try and slow him down? Well, whatever they did last time really didn't work. Remember, he had over 200 yards receiving in the first quarter alone. And, you know, then Tampa Bay kind of made a run and so on and, and made the game close. And the Chiefs' passing game was also going and kind of spreading things around. So, again, when you have Hill and Kelsey, it's something you really got to keep an eye I, 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 Here's something I'll also consider. I won't be surprised if Patrick Mahomes starts peppering the Tampa defense with passes to the running back. Now, I say that is because I think that could force Shaq Barrett to maybe not be as aggressive as a pass rusher. So maybe some outside throws. One of the things I think hurt the Packers last week against Tampa Bay in the second half was not having Aaron Jones because you don't look at Aaron Jones as just as a runner. You're looking at him as a pass catcher as well. I think not having that outlet guy, that's no make no excuses for what happened with Green Bay last week. They had a lot of red zone problems. But I just don't, don't be, if you remember last year in the Super Bowl, uh, one of the unsung heroes was, I believe, Damian Williams, the running back, who I think scored on a run and scored on a, a reception. Okay? So that's something to remember when it comes to how they're, how they're going to attack them. Okay? Um, I don't know if they're necessarily going to do the same thing that they did last year. Okay? Or, I'm sorry, earlier this year. Uh-huh when they went deep a lot of times and, and nobody could keep up with Tyree Hill. I get the feeling the game plan might be a little different. Two weeks to prepare. Andy Reid's usually pretty good on two weeks. Um, you know, and something you can't underestimate here as well. For whatever reason, and it's not all offense, Patrick Mahomes has now started seven playoff games. The Chiefs have scored at least 30 points in six of them. The only game he did, they didn't score 60 points on 30 points was the game where he got knocked out in the third quarter. So, and he mowed through the Cleveland defense like you know, a knife through butter. So, Tampa Bay is going to have its work cut out for them there. But the last time we saw a Super Bowl repeat champion, the guy in the Tampa Bay uniform was behind the, was behind center, 2003 and 04. So the New England Patriots the last one to do it. How ironic would it be if Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs did it right in front of Tom Brady? Yeah, speaking of Tom Brady, one thing I noticed during the NFC Championship game, especially the second half, was he was having trouble making those throws deep down the field to the outside routes. He was high on some stuff to Mike Evans. He made the bad decision when he was being rushed and just threw off his back foot, threw up for grabs. Do the Bucs need to worry about Brady's ability to throw deep down the field against this defense? Do you think they could try and like plan around that? Well, 
I think it'll depend on opportunities. The one the thing that's been interesting, Mike, about Tom Brady during the playoffs is his numbers haven't been overwhelming. Okay, now if I told you that in the, his first two playoff games he completed less than fifty-five percent of his passes, uh, or roughly that, okay. In the game against Green Bay, he obviously threw three touchdowns. They also threw three picks. And yet they scored at least 30 points in every one of those games. I think what Tom Brady has brought to the Buccaneers in the playoffs is really playoff experience. Okay, I threw a pick. There's no reason to panic. And that's what's happened. You know, last year the Buccaneers turned to the ball 41 times. Okay. It's a disaster. You know, just sloppy, you know, sloppy football all over. It's different with Brady. Brady's seen so much and done so much and overcome so much, you know, 25-point deficits in the Super Bowl, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, he's kind of unflappable to the regard of that's what he can bring to the players and even to his head coach and offensive and defensive coordinator. He's been around a long time. He's been on the, you know, the high end and the low end. I mean, Here's a guy who threw for 505 yards in the Super Bowl three years ago, and they lost. Yeah, that's certainly true. And I do think it's also interesting to try and find out those guys who are sort of flying under the radar look who can make a big difference in this game. I think for me, with Tampa Bay, one of the guys I'm curious about is Rob Gronkowski because the Chiefs have had some issues with tight ends after their bye. They've given up seven touchdowns to tight ends since week week 10. And you figure that, you know, maybe they could try and take away the outside weapons from Brady. And Gronk over the middle, I feel like you could have a big impact in this game. Well, we could. And, you know, the, to me, the guy to watch on, I mean, listen, we saw Chris Jones last year in the Super Bowl really make his impact in the fourth quarter when he was knocking down Jimmy Garoppolo's passes. But the guy, I mean, their playmaker on defense, I mean, they had Frank Clark, I get all that and so on. And, you know, steady pass rusher. Their defense has played pretty well. Not as good as it did down the stretch last year, but still pretty well. But Tyran Matthew is a major X factor. Uh, people, Some people will not realize this. Last year when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, their team MVP was not Patrick Mahomes. The team voted Tyron Matthews, its team MVP. So that should tell you the impact he had, you know, in his first year with the club. He's always around the football. He will come up with the fumble recovery or the interception. I won't be surprised if he's on Gronkowski one time or another. I don't know if they necessarily have the linebackers that could rock Rankowski, who, who basically made one catch last week, but he made it count. So, and, you know, Rob Gronkowski in the postseason is usually pretty effective. So it's such a great chess match because we do have the earlier game. We have two quarterbacks that are playing really, really well. We have two playmaking defenses. I don't think either one of these defenses are great, okay? But they, they're, they're playmakers. They come up. And, and Kansas City never underestimate their special teams. Okay, and, you know we we saw them in games against Denver and Miami this year, where their special teams made huge. But their, their defense and special teams scored four touchdowns during the regular season, and another never has happened in Super Bowl history. There's never been a punt return for a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Yeah, we never know. That could change this year. And I want to talk real quick on like each team. Let's start with the Chiefs. What's the key to victory for Kansas City, in your opinion? Well, in these Super Bowls, not turning over to football is huge. Um, being balanced against Tampa's defense, don't being afraid to run. Don't put Patrick Mahomes in situations where he's running for his life. Even if you fall behind, stay with the run. Um, you know, you all have a, you know, Le'Veon Bell is expected to come back this week. 
Um, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Hilaire, I'm the Clyde Edwards Hilaire, or Hilaire Edwards. I'm butchering that right now. I apologize. Yeah, CEH. Let's um, go with. Yeah. Um, remember, in the game against Buffalo, this year, he showed he could log carry the football big time. 160 yards. Um, he's a punishing runner. They've got to test the Tampa defense. They can't be intimidated by the fact that the Bucs were number one against the run um, during the regular season. They need to offer some balance. Um, for Tampa Bay, I think it's avoid giving up the big plays deep. Um, you know, it, And we've seen that. Listen, they've given up a lot of passing yards, and they've certainly given up their share of points in these playoffs. I mean, they've scored at least, what, uh, let's see, 31 30 and 31, but they've given up 23 and 20 and 26. So, and remember when these teams played earlier this year, it was a 27 24 game. Okay. So, um, I, I don't expect either one of these teams to get set down. I think, um, maybe Kansas City's special teams in terms of returns could certainly prove to be an edge. Um, but, uh, it was hard not to like this matchup for for the potential of what it could be. And it's more, like I said, more than about the quarterback. Um, you know, you've got some great receivers on Tampa, uh, good tight ends. You've got a speedster in Hill. Uh, Nicole Hardman is a guy you got to keep an eye on as well. Uh, I guess the big question would be, will, will another quarterback be named Super Bowl MVP? There have been 54 Super Bowls, and the quarterback's been named MVP 30 times. Yes, that's certainly true. And I think the odds would probably lean towards the quarterback winning the MVP again. And before I let you go, I do you want to ask about one other quarterback? Because now we're, as of day recording, there are rumors out there right now that Deshaun Watson is on the trade market, the Houston, that he's asked for a trade from the Texans. Like, how seismic would it be for the league if the Texans are actually stupid enough to move him? Uh, <laughs> I guess that's what you call a leading question, huh? Yeah. Um, I think it would depend on what they got for him. Okay, I mean, it could be your basic. Uh, they, they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Okay, um, I, I still think there's a ways to go before he gets moved and so on. Um, but you got to be a, a team. Listen, he's only been in the league four years, so he can command big money. Um, he, the team's going to command a lot of draft choices or high draft choices. Is there a team in this league that is willing to part with both? Because that's what you're going to have to do. You might have a team that's in. I mean, it's funny, you know, Jacksonville's got a lot of draft picks and they have a lot of cap room, but I, I get the feeling that's not where they're going. And I don't think Houston's going to trade within the division. So there's going to be some, uh, you're going to do some tricky financing. And if you give up draft choices, you know, it, it might be a thing where you have to give up draft choices two or even three years down the line. Yeah, I think in terms of that, I think the, fit to me like it is again i don't think houston's gonna move him i still am convinced of that but if they did i still think in terms of like the fit between having the money and the picks i think the jets make too much sense well yeah they're, they're, listen they're certainly in the running and you know there's been rumors out there that he wouldn't mind playing for them and so on um you know the texans now do have, have a new head coach so um david cooley and um you know there's also been talk that i don't even know how true it is that watson and him uh, you know, spoken before, met before at the Pro Bowl um, last year or whatever it was. So um, who knows? Whatever is going on down at Houston, it's a bad look for the team. And, um, it, you know, they're the last team to hire as a coach. We technically haven't really named general manager yet. So it's hard to tell what's going on. They're still 
resentment and smoke from last year from the DeAndre Hopkins deal and, um, you know, Bill O'Brien getting fired after a lousy start. So it's hard to believe that entering this year, the Texans had won the division for the five previous years. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm glad I'm not a Texans fan. I feel like their whole franchise has gone like downhill since blowing the 24 nothing lead in Kansas City last year in the playoffs. But, Russell, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, how can you follow you on social media keep all some of the stuff you're doing? Um, yeah, uh, again, uh, Bax Football Guru, Julie Noted, PFG, and PFG Vibe are the three Twitter accounts to handle. I mean, to follow. But you can follow me on Fan Sided, um, NFL Spin Zone, and Full Press Coverage if you want to read my work. Yeah, make sure you check all that stuff out. Russell, thanks for all the time. I appreciate it. You got it. Show me the money. All right, we are back here for the final time this year. It's time to show me the money for the NFL Super Bowl picks. Joining me today on the podcast, both of them back in week number three. We took a dump on Adam Gase at that point. It made us feel better about our lives. Kevin Wills is here. Kevin, how are you? Mike, I'm good. How are you doing? Pretty good. And I got to say, it feels good this year. I mean, we got the little bit of pride rock like lighting effect going on here. So shine the light on us, Jet fans. We had, we're having some better times here. Yeah, well, maybe I should probably change the colors then. Hold on one second. Yeah, the fancy visual be, effects be a bit more appropriate on the YouTube <laughs> on the on the YouTube version. You guys want to check this out? Kevin's changed his color in the background from blue light to green light in honor of the Jets. Yeah, I was had it on blue for the Rangers earlier, but I, I I haven't caught up with that game. I don't know what the score is. I haven't even turned the game on. I've been busy editing all night. That's two two. Don't worry about it. <laughs> all, right. all right, so I'm going to assume hey, we'll, I'm we'll that, keep it green for the Jets. I'm going to assume they're going to find a way to lose this game, so we'll just leave it green. But <laughs> we'll right, see. Right now, we, we are talking here. The Jets have made a new head coaching hire. They have brought in Robert Sala from the 49ers, a team we happen to talk about who kicked the Jets' ass in week two. So what did you think about this choice? Uh, honestly, I'm like flabbergasted that the Jets have actually done like a good move. Yeah. Once. I'm so used to them stumbling over hirings, even like the new jerseys I, I detest. I, I will never, you will never, ever see me wearing new Jets jersey. Um, but this, for once, I think Robert Sala, he, when I heard about his name, I started looking up all these, there's so many videos on YouTube, like hype videos and stuff. And you see this guy on the sideline, he's like a madman. And then just like the, we never got that with Gase. We certainly didn't get that with Todd Bowles. No. I mean, it's giving me like old school, high school Rex Ryan vibes. <laughs> like, let's go get a snack type thing. That's what I really would love to see. Like, I didn't realize this. Did you know that there's a rule for hard knocks where they don't do rookie head coaches? Yes. So, I, like, I would love to see Rob Sala hard knocks, but I would also want to see the new guy they hired in Detroit, that that lunatic. Oh, Dan Campbell? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, like Salah kind of, ha- he had like a really good press conference and the other guy, Campbell, I'm like, I, I we were pretty close, I'd say. If, if Salah was hired by Detroit, I could see the Jets pulling the Jet move and hiring Campbell. But, you know what? The light, the light shunned down and, and, you know, we got Salah. I know this is bad prep by me, but not having on the soundboard. You don't want to bite some kneecaps off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, what a lunatic! <laughs> yeah. 
honestly and truly. But uh, no, I mean, the, from the press conference I heard from Salah, he gave me like um, uh, judge vibes, like his pre- his press conference with the Giants. Um, you know, that that's something I don't think the Jets haven't had someone like that in in a long time. Um, I, if ever, yeah. really. I don't know any coach that would ever talk like that. I mean, Mangini kind of, you know, and what's his name? Herm Edwards, they, they were mm-hmm. fun, but this guy is just, I don't know, he seems so professional for once we have someone who's professional. Yeah, two things jump at me. Number one, that like he talked about, hey, I'm going to run the whole team, not call the defense. I can let my defensive coordinator do that. I'm going to take care of the whole team. So I'm like, good. I'm sick of having Adam Gay staring in the play sheet the whole game or Todd Bowles like looking clueless in the office is doing things on the sidelines. He's going to charge the whole team, which I love. And number two, he had options. He could have gone to the Eagles. He could have gone to Detroit. He said, I want to come to the Jets. And that's a sign to me the culture is changing, which I love. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And it also uh, looks like Joe Douglas has, you know, taken reins over this. It's no longer a Johnson run aspect to a, of a team where I think now, I mean, Woody Johnson, now that he's back, he's no longer, I don't think he's ambassador anymore. I think he no, he's home. Back. He's so like, I, I think like there's going to be a structure now where the coach speaks to the GM and then the GM speaks to the owner. Yeah. And no more of this you know, nonsense you, about like, Oh, like you're equals. You both come to me. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's gone. That's, that's out. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what Joe Douglas is going to do. I mean, he is, he is a line guy. I mean, that's what I love about the way our team looks right now is that our GM and our head coach look like they could actually put on uniform and helmet and like get in there. And like, you can see that in Rob Sala, like he's so pumped up whenever there's a stop on a play or something yep. like that, that he has assistance pulling him back. Like yep. that's what I love to see. Yeah. I think it's going to be fun with him, too. And as we're talking on, recording on Thursday, the 28th of January, there was a bit of breaking news today in the NFL. That Deshaun Watson officially has asked for a trade from the Houston Texans. And I think if they are dumb enough to move him, that's the key. If they are stupid enough, maybe Pastor Jack down there in Houston is actually convinced that maybe the Lord will tell him that he doesn't need Deshaun Watson to win football games. Maybe, you know, he comes to the Jets and all of a sudden... We can put the superstar trifecta of trades with Francisco Lindor, James Harden, and now Deshaun Watson. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> but I'm kind of worried, though, Mike, because the Texans hired a new uh, coach today. Um, his name is escaping me. They hired a new coach. Yeah, and I think they're Damon maintaining Cully. this. Yes. And they're maintaining the same offensive coordinator. But, I mean, you said Watson said he wants out. Who knows what could happen, honestly. We've seen stranger things happen in the NFL. But – I wouldn't say no to Deshaun Watson coming here. I mean, he's only 25, 26, 25, already a pro bowler. He's already, he's led the NFL in passing his year with, with, with Brandon cooks, Kenny, like Kenny stills, like Randall Cobb and a bunch of schlubs at receiver. And imagine like what he would do with the jets. Even if like, if we got Allen Robinson and you know, all these other rumors that I keep on hearing of it's, it's like, I don't know what's going on in New York sports. I just heard something really weird the other day that, uh, um, that the, what's his name of the New York Yankees is escaping me. The, the GM of the Yankees, Cashman. Uh, not GM, uh, not GM, the coach of the Yankees. Oh, Boone. Uh, Aaron Boone is the longest tenured coach in New York team, New York sports teams. Yep. That's right. Like, he's only been on for three years. Every other, like that's how bad things have gotten in New York right now. So I think it's a mate. Like it's crazy that the Mets now have, Uncle Steve as the owner, 
and he's getting all these superstars coming, yeah. superstars coming in. And then all of a sudden the Nets get James Harden and Kyrie Irving has come back from Mars or wherever the hell he came <laughs> from. And like we have KD, who I'm a, always been. I don't know. I have yet to meet someone who doesn't like Kevin Durant. Yeah. And now the Jets get to Sean Watson like New York sports are back. Yeah. And for once it's not the Yankees giants and uh, the Knicks. Although the, and I mean, the Knicks have just been suffering a lot. The Knicks, have been, bad the Knicks have been good once in 20 years. I can't say anything <laughs> about that. Yeah. that's right. <laughs> but I mean, it's great to see that our Mets, Nets and Jets are, 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 you know, up and, and making moves and looking like professional sports teams. You know, it's just, let's hope that the, you know, they're, <laughs> the, the Texans are stupid. Ugly, ugliness of the past rises their heads up, and they somehow pull off some something stupid. Yeah, well, but no, I am excited. If Deshaun Watson were to come to the Jets, I am personally excited. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on Houston, obviously, because they held the hammer here. Because I mean, they do have a long term contract. It depends if Pastor Jack down there is stupid enough to actually think he can win without Deshaun Watson. And I think honestly, as John Jastrzemski said on the podcast this week, as Matt Verderam said the week before that, and a couple other guys have said here, if he's available. Whatever it takes. You've been looking for a quarterback for 50 years. Go get one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? They'd say it's sort of the kitchen sink at it. That I was reading that if we were to get Deshaun Watson and we were to be trading first round picks, we would essentially be sending back the picks. We'd be that- leveling out at zero, basically, because they had the two extra from the Jamal Adams trade. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> but also, I think the Jets passed on Deshaun Watson in 2017. They, they did. They did. They took Adams. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it would was, just be a weird weird turn of events but yeah because they passed on him and Patrick Mahomes because they were convinced that Christian Hackenberg was the answer quarterback I forgot about that name yeah it was Mike <laughs> that's the glory of Mike McCagden running the Jets oh god I forgot about that name too oh my god Mike <laughs> yeah let's let's let some spirits here let's have a little fun <laughs> This is, this is the last week of showing the money, so we're going to play a little trivia game here. we got five trivia questions about what happened on the pick segment this year. You were one of the 17 who was on, one of the five came back to the playoffs. So let's go to some questions here. We'll give, give you five. See how, see how you do. Okay. Question number one for you. When you were on for the picks this year, how did you do? Uh, I won all three of my picks. Correct. You and I went 3-0. I think that's the only time this year that there was no incorrect picks on the podcast. <laughs> And I, you know what? I can't even go to Calby's Super Bowl party to win more money. So I don't know <laughs> what I'm going to do. Yeah, that's a one for one for Kevin. Question two. Over the course of the 17 weeks of the regular season, we hit all 32 teams. So the question is, do you think I may actually pick the Jets this year? Did somebody pick the Jets this year? That's basically the question you think here. Did anybody actually touch the Jets this year? I'm sure one person did. So you're going to say yes. Yes. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. <laughs> and that's because they were that bad. And that, there were some good picks out there for the Jets this year. If you were like, like if you knew what, you, if you were paying attention, the one time that I, I the Jets got picked was by me in week seventeen. They let me down. Oh, they did let you down. Yeah, because oh. they were what they were getting three points and three and a half points in the window against the Patriots, and they got blown um, out. Oh yeah, the gase, the inept Gase finale. <laughs> well, at least I got that one right. So I'm two for two right now. Yeah. All right. Okay. Question number three. The number of perfect weeks on the year. Was it over or under three and a half? Number of perfect weeks. That's by me, by me or a challenger. Hmm. Combined. Number of perfect weeks. I want to say over three and a half. That's also correct. There were six. 
Wow, really? Yeah. I had three. Huh. Challengers had three. Wow. So it's pretty evenly split there. Question number four. So Kevin is actually three for three so far on his on his questions here. So what team? $64,000 question. Yeah. Which team was picked the most often this year? This includes the postseason. Which team was picked the most often this year? I'll give you a hint. I had a big hand in a lot of this on this team getting picked a lot. This is the Chiefs. Incorrect. The New Orleans Saints. Really? I, I was going to the to the well with the Saints down the stretch. They kept uh, giving me wins because they were kept on covering numbers and they were getting set yeah. to over Vegas. Hmm. And question, I wonder who would, uh, what the runner-up team would be. I have to look into the numbers on that. I want to say it was probably like somebody who was definitely one of those playoff teams because I feel right. like I can't remember which one. I know there was – the Saints were far and away the most picked. Right. Yeah. Okay. Question five, was there a push this year? That had to have been. Correct. Yes, that, yeah. Yeah, there was one push back in week seven. Kevin Walsh on sports grade took the Browns getting three points, and they pushed. Wow. So, And that was, the, that was the only one this year? The only one on both sides. Only push. All right. I went four for five. That's not bad. That is not bad. And <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's going to be, you know, fun Super Bowl coming up here. Chiefs Buccaneers. What's your thoughts? I'm... I'm not interested in it. I'm sorry, Mike. It's just, uh, it's just because it's almost like it's a, it's scripted now at this point. I, I was re- I'm, I was really rooting for the bills and yeah. I really wanted to see Aaron Rodgers to get back into the, into the Super Bowl. Like I, I would have liked to have seen Aaron Rodgers win another one. I mean, I'm excited to see Patrick Mahomes in it. I, you know, his father is a Met. So like, I'm kind of, I'm going to be rooting for him for sure, because I will never ever vote for, or root, root for, for Brady. Tom Brady. Yeah. Just, but I would rather root for the Bills over Tom Brady too, even though you know in the same division. But um, I I don't know. I, it's it's just not going to be the same this year. I'll make the best of it here at home. We're going to be playing it safe because of COVID. You know, we're not going to be at uh, Calby's uh, our our respective our friend uh, his Super Bowl party. Um, but you know, I'm excited to see at least a decent game. You know, it won't be the same, but. It is kind of cool to see Tampa Bay playing at home, yeah, essentially, that's, that's at the de- Super Bowl. Definitely interesting. First time ever. Yeah, definitely interesting angle there. I think this game's going to be fun. There's a lot of scoring, a lot of opportunities here, plus the star power of the Holmes-Brady matchup. I do like all of that. And I will say, you were one of the 17 people who sent their picks in for the Show Me the Money Picks Challenge for the 17 challengers here. Last year mm-hmm. was a prize in the line. So I'm going to put another prize in the line this year, so... Unfortunately, I was not able to get on the GameStop stock quick enough to give you guys a stock share <laughs> if you if you happen to win. So forgot to sell over whoever win comes the closest to the score it has the opportunity to be guest on picks for week number one next year. That's the prize right now. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah so whoever comes the closest in terms of like game score and like storyline gets gets the picks gets the pick spot next year for week one. Cool. Yeah. So that's gonna be that's the stakes. I mean, I wanted to get in on that GameStop stock action, but. You know, the government was too quick to shut it down. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, Robinhood, all those hedge funds. Uh, I'm not going to start cursing on this uh, <laughs> on this prestigious show. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, this is one of those where I'm reading, I see GameStop is trending. Literally, as I'm hopping on Twitter, I'm, like, sitting there, I'm just going. What the hell's going on out here? <laughs> oh, you should, you should get, a, a like, a, a stock uh, uh, 
what do you call it interview with anthony calby we have, we've spoken about him well, i've spoken about him so much this, this video <laughs> you'll learn all about it he's a hard man to track down he is a hard man to track down maybe i'll get him over here one of these days i'll vaccinate him and bring him down here yeah we'll talk about that but we'll talk about the picks the reason why you're here less i mean this is going back two weeks now because joe d'aloisio was here for team challengers and he did not have a good week he had a very pitiful oh and two no god no god please no 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 you did so he had the packers laying the three get the builds getting the three went all in two i on the other hand i had a i i went 500 i went one and one i was with on the packers but i laid the points to the Chiefs, so i got one on the board two, two weeks ago which is not bad mm-hmm. yeah it's not bad okay so on the year Team Challengers, 29-33 and the one push, 3-9 the postseason because our guy in the wild card round went 1-5. That's why the Challengers are so bad there. Mm-hmm. I went on the year, I won like a 36-25, and 7-5 in the playoffs, so I've already clinched victory for the nice, season. Nice, Mike. <laughs> Got to get the, in the win column again. Again, you see the sun shining here coming down on all these picks. <laughs> well done, and the rest of us are in hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, so not necessarily. We got to change the the light lighting here. <laughs> <laughs> Again, go on the YouTube version. You can see the changing lights in the background. <laughs> so to set everything up here, we have one pick to make, and one only. We are doing Super Bowl number fifty-five on CBS on Sunday, six thirty p.m. Eastern Time. The Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Chiefs are three-point favorites. Kevin, who are you picking? I am picking the Chiefs. Why is that? Um, Patrick Mahomes is an all-star. He is the next Tom Brady. And I saw Tom Brady play last game against the Packers, and he did not have a very good second half. Um, Unless Todd Bowles and his defense and Bruce Arians are able to muster up something, I think... Andy Reid is going to have a, a is the upper hand here. And, I mean, yeah, Travis Kelsey is the next Gronk, too. So, I mean, you're we're literally looking at the new Patriots of the AFC, as sad as it is. And I'm probably going to regret this in 10 years' time when Patrick Mahomes has five rings. And, <laughs> you know, the Jets may meet them at some point, And, you know, it, that might not bode well for them. All right, so Kevin's but, up. Yep, so you're on the board. You're with the Chiefs. My lay in the three. Yep. I'm going to be right there with you. I'm also going to lay the three at the Kansas City Chiefs. I know this game, I think, interesting because obviously you have the situation the Chiefs don't have their left tackle. The referees are going to be a big deal because we saw what JPP and Shaq Barrett did to Aaron Rodgers all of the championship week. But I can't help going back to week 12 where the Chiefs had Tyreek Hill running all over the all over the field, running wild through the Tampa secondary, 200 yards first quarter. They were up 27-10 this game. Tampa got it close in the backdoor cover. I don't think the back doors happen this time. I think the Chiefs are going to take care of business. I think it's going to be a big effort for a Tyree kill. I think sleeper MVP prop bet there, folks, at 14, plus 1,400 on FanDuel. That's my t- teaser, you guys. Go do that. I think the Chiefs are going to win this game by at least a touchdown. I think it's going to be a, a tight game for a while. Kansas City pulls away at the end. Lay the three with the Chiefs. So to reset here, Kevin and I are both laying the points with the Chiefs. And that's your last pick of the year on Show Me The Money. So it's a shame that the second has come to an end. I know. It's a great time. And I'm really loving this new format. It's great to see us in living color. 
Yes, in living color, unlike WandaVision, the first two episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't have a black and white filter here, I don't think. I do not either. So that's something that I, the best I could do for you was the Simba filter. <laughs> but it certainly was a lot of fun. Next week, I mean, I'm going to miss this, but I will say also shocked like hell that the NFL actually managed to get through the entire season without one cancellation. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, they really did postpone that Ravens game with Lamar Jackson, but I mean, yeah, still no cancellation. It was, you know, really well done. Yeah, they deserve props for that. They deserve props for inviting all those healthcare workers to Super Bowl. That's a good job. Oh, right that's the other thing that I really appreciated. Um, it, that's that was that was that was one thing the NFL actually did right for once. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> take your wins. Yeah, you gotta take your so, wins, and Kev. How can people find on social media? Can you know some of the stuff you're up to? Um, really, I haven't been up to much. I'm, I've been, I've moved into the new apartment here with my lovely girlfriend, and you know, we've just been settling in here for the most part. Um, I've been getting into yoga. Yeah. How about how about <laughs> That's that? Really how, it. How about the Instagram? People can follow your photos. Oh, you can follow me at uh, castrophoto.com. That's my where I take mostly astrophotography pictures. Yes. Yeah, so they that- can uh, take in. Big into space. <laughs> yes, definitely check that out. I will say, see, we're not seeing you the Super Bowl this year because, I mean, we had because we have been going to the same Super Bowl party for about like what eight nine years now, and this year it is not happening because of COVID. So it's gonna be at, unusual. At least eight or nine years, and I remember saying, thinking to myself last year, I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna take off work the day after the Super Bowl. Well, <laughs> you don't have to. You can just <laughs> that's, that's you, all you, gone. <laughs> yeah, because now you're just literally you're just going from like your bedroom to the office. Yep, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> I will say also the one nice thing about not being at this party next this year was that we don't have to let this party foul that we did last year. Uh, you bringing up? I'm not even going to bring it up. <laughs> you know what? You you don't have to bring it up, but I will. Here's a story. Go for, for it. From last year's Super Bowl party that Kevin and I were at, I relayed the story to Joe Dalizio, who's going to be our guest next week on the podcast. By the way, we're going to recap Super Bowl Fifty Five, so we'll. Interesting for me to actually watch this game in full and hear Tony Romo because I never hear him at this party, which is so fun with so many people. And I related to him a story from last year about the party foul. So let's hear from, take a flashback to the Super Bowl of 2020 when things were much, much more normal. So let's hear this party story. I do want to discuss some poor party behavior at my party. Uh Uh-oh. I will not name names. No name dropping. No name dropping. But the people at the party know who this is. So everybody who's listening to the party will know exactly who I'm describing here. So there was this one guy, came with his girlfriend, and this is a party where the house rule basically is like, once you get in, no shoes. Because like, you, you can, like, don't, they don't want the shoes on the carpet. So. Oh, that's totally normal rule. Uh, yes, no normal rule. So we all have the shoes off, leave them on the, at the stairwell as we're going in. But they go out the front. The girlfriend of the guy takes the socks off. And he is giving her a full-on, like, foot rub in the middle of the game in front of everybody. Oh, no, no. No, exactly. No, so the girlfriend is getting a foot massage in the middle of the second quarter? Like, in the, like basically throughout the game. Oh, no, no, and no. This is, and, like, and, like, literally, like, the way to describe it is, like, the TV's over here, like, in the front of the room. They're off to, like, front, like, left of the TV, like, on chairs in the dining room area. And the rest of us all have to see this. I'm like, this is not okay. That's a party foul. That's a, that, that's a party foul to the point where if I am uh, the host of the party, I stand up, put the game on pause, and say, this has to change immediately. Or you're leaving. Or you're leaving. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, I was— You have the authority to do that, 100%. 
So I agree with Joe. I don't understand why that didn't happen last year. Calby didn't have any authority. I don't know why he didn't stand up. I mean, he definitely could have done that. He had authority. It's his house. I, I guess he didn't want to cause a scene, or maybe he thought it would lead to a story like this where we could have discussions like this. <laughs> but that's a lot of long-term thinking. So I, I, I don't know why he didn't act up. I think we were all kind of just like, huh? You're all you're- of us. Like everyone was looking like. <laughs> everyone was sitting there just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking I'm not touching that guacamole. That's also yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, oh hell no. <laughs> I was also thinking I'm about to win like six thousand dollars. <laughs> so that was that was fun last year. That was fun last year. And not gonna be any party foul stories this year, unfortunately. So I do want to put that out there. And I did think how'd you think I did on the retail? That was pretty spot on. Yeah, uh, it's <laughs> that guy Joe. I gotta meet him because he sounds really funny. I would love to get us all in a room together. Yeah, maybe in maybe in the summer. Maybe yeah. then we'll all be vaccinated. And things that uh, things clear out. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 gonna be different this year. But I mean, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be for the best, really and truly. And it's you know, it's all about making you know taking care of the the more vulnerable people. And you remember last year when we were there. Uh, Calby was making a joke that his mom had COVID and she was in the bedroom quarantined. Yeah. And, you know, I sometimes wonder, you know, she could have had it, <laughs> you know, but yeah. And, and inside we're of never ta- gonna in, know. A, in a side of time, she was like wearing an actual mask at the time to try and not yeah. get the germs. So she was, mm-hmm. ahead of the curve. Yep. She was. Yep. Good yeah. for Ann. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Ann Calby somewhere. <laughs> the champ, the real champ of yeah. last year's Super Bowl. Yeah. If anyone had the authority to kick someone out, it was in, and it was because she wasn't there. That, that did not happen. That there was no watch. Yeah. You know, that the, the Calby was asleep at the wheel, or he was just like, <laughs> yeah, he was. He was just sitting there, just thinking, like, "No, God, <laughs> no, God, please, no, 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 no." Yep, as as Bell was going through everybody's <laughs> mind last year. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, we don't have to deal with that this year. <laughs> no, we do not. One other question for you: Are you going to watch the Equalizer after the game is over since you're home? I'll give it a shot. <laughs> I mean, I never saw the movies. Honestly, I never saw the Denzel movies, so yeah. I, I don't I don't know what I'm what I'm getting myself into. Are you a big here. Are you a big Queen Latifah fan? Mm, I mean, from the Barbershop. I think she was in Barbershop too. She Makes, was pretty funny in that. Yeah. Yeah, well, she's in that. I'm going to talk about the Super Bowl weed out stuff next with our, one of our pop culture guys, Alan Austin, right after this. Say hello. Let go of me. Who the hell are you? Neighborhood watch. Maybe you should mind your own business. I've tried. But it turns out I'm really bad at it. What's up with you, Mom? Out of nowhere, you quit your job last month and want to talk about it? You love traveling all over the world, being the big shot at your charity. It's complicated. <laughs> this new side gig of yours is raising questions. The company must be pretty desperate if they sent your skinny ass up here. Well, they figured you'd kill anybody else. They want you back, Robin. You're the best they had. I don't work for them anymore. I'm using my powers for good. Why do I have a feeling this is not a social call? I need your freaky ass superpowers. One, two, three, hit it! 
This world is just looking for a reason to put a young black girl on that side of the fence. Don't help them. Superman! When I can't sleep, it's not because of all the things I've done. It's because of all the people I couldn't save. I got soul! Do you really think she could help? If anyone can. I'm Superman! It's McCall. How many people are out there? Desperate with no way to turn. They have some way to turn. To me. I'm the one you call. You can't call 911. All right, we are back. You guys heard the trailer for the CBS show, The Equalizer, which is the lead-out show after the Super Bowl. Join me today. Talk a little about Super Bowl lead-out history of it. The great Alan Austin is here. Alan, how are you? I'm good, Mike. Thanks for having me. How are you? Doing pretty good. I got to say, we're talking a lot about the big game this week and the past two weeks in the podcast, so I would be remiss not to ask you, what do you think about this matchup? I mean, it's pretty great. I think there's only been one professional pundit who's looked down upon it. Everyone I've talked to, everything I've seen is just pure excitement, and I'm on that, you know, I'm on that train, the excitement train. Yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, I think the Packers would have been fun, too, if they got here, but... We have an all-time great quarterback matchup. We have a lot of storylines around this game. I think there's just so much potential here for incitement. Oh, my goodness. And the Packers, great team, but there's just so many more characters on the Buccaneers. I mean, on both sides of the ball. Adamigan Sue, JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul, who's having a monster season, which as a Giant fan, I actually love seeing. I always root for him. You've got Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski. The list goes on and on. And then you have the Chiefs on the other side with Patty Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. Uh, it's just uh, and uh, Le'Veon Bell is now going to the Super Bowl to face Antonio Brown. All these mini storylines, just so much excitement. It really is, and it's lots of big games. I know you made your pick in the blog post for this. I will that's going to be up on online just on the suffering.wordpress.com. So if you want to check out everybody's Super Bowl challenge picks, those are going to be up there. But we're here today to talk about some of the, the stuff that happens after the game. And we talk about the, the history of the lead out program at Super Bowl, which is obviously every network that gets Super Bowl they put a primetime show on after the game. And this year, CBS is doing debuting a brand new show called The Equalizer. We just played the trailer here. Alan and I have both seen it. Alan, did you get excited at all by this trailer? I actually thought it was a really well put together trailer. Great song choice, great music. Uh, it gave you a feel of the character that Queen Latifah will be playing. It's just not my thing. It's not my cup of tea. I probably won't be watching, at least not right after the Super Bowl. Just kind of, you know, I, I'd be interested to see if it's going to have a through line or if it's just going to be episode by episode, a new case, so to speak, Law and Order style. If it's a through line with like a season arc, I'd be more inclined to watch. Yeah. Were you familiar with either the movies that came before this or the, the original TV show from the 70s that this is based off of? I'm going to be honest with you. I've never seen any incarnation of The Equalizer. Yeah, because I got to say, I know the movies, the male characters, this is a female-led reboot. And the trailer, you're right. The trailer looked interesting, but to me... I'm probably not going to watch it after the game. I will probably wait to see what people say about it because, for me, I feel like it's an odd thematic choice right after the Super Bowl. Yeah. For me, I think 
when I think post-Super Bowl, I want to personally see something white. I don't want to see something I'm going to have to fully invest in and concentrate on because as a, you know, as a sports fan, post-Super Bowl, you're coming down from a high in a way. You don't want to sit and, you know, get bogged down with this hardcore drama. And, and that's just my personal view. So I'd rather see something light, almost fluffy. Yeah. Plus, like, if you're at those, you're at those parties, I don't know how many people are going to parties this year because of the pandemic, but, like, in the past, like, you know, you go to the party, you know, like, you had some drinks. Like, you're really going to be paying super close attention to, like, the deep brooding crime drama at the Super Bowl? Absolutely not. And to be honest with you, I it's been a while. We'll get into it. But it's been a, a long time since I've actually watched the lead out program after the Super Bowl, just because I've been in a group of people every year for the Super Bowl. And afterwards, you know, people head home, people say their goodbyes, people hang out. And when I was when I lived on the West Coast, uh, it's just the party continues and no one's going to sit and watch the lead out program. So it's got to be something lighter than, you know, a heavy, heavy drama. Yeah, so what is the last one you remember say, make you, that you watched after the Super Bowl? Like, what's the last show you remember that came on? You're like, I'm going to watch after this after this game and make sure to stick around for this. It would be 2009, The Office, the stress relief one-hour special. Yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah, and had the, you know, being that I was a huge Office fan at the time, I went out of my way to be like, I'm watching this. This is what I'm doing after the Super Bowl. I want to see this episode. Prior to that, the last one I can recall is the Family Guy pilot of 1999. I was at a friend's house at a party. I was kind of, uh, I don't want to say shy, but it was late. I was a little bit younger. I think I was like, I think I was 10. And it came on the TV. Nobody was watching. I was sitting there watching just because I was like there. You know what I mean? So I would say that before the office, it would be the debut of Family Guy. Yeah. My last one I actually made a time to watch Absurd was... After the overtime Super Bowl in 2016, 24 Legacy on Fox, because I was a big 24 guy back in the day, and this is the reboot. I'm like, oh, this is exciting. And then this one, I think, was probably the, I think it's the lowest rated program, I think, in post, the post Super Bowl era, I think, since like Alias in 2003, because I think they got screwed by the overtime. And then the show itself was not good. Like, there were a lot of problems with 24 Legacy, and it got canceled after one season. So that just tells you all you need to know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's rough. That's rough. I'm looking at the, I think that was 2017. Yeah, I think it was 16 season. That's what I was confused about. Oh, okay. Okay. It's always confusing with the Super Bowl in the years. That's why I think people are more inclined to use the, the numbers, but for sure. I mean, I'm looking at the, the list and the highest rated of all time would be Friends. And that was season two Friends. So that, that's quite a testament to the Friends legacy, I'd have to say. That should be something on their Hall of Fame resume that they're not touting quite enough. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the history of the lead-out program, because obviously, in the past, in the first, I want to say, like, 20-something Super Bowls, this was not a big deal about what going out. There's a lot of 60 minutes in there. There's a lot of pilots for shows. I mean, you had some famous shows in there. I mean, the first episode of The Wonder Years came out of the Super Bowl. You had the A-Team came out of the debut out of the Super Bowl, but... There's a lot of whiffs in there, and the bot, like the rock bottom for this thing, came in 1995 at Super Bowl 29. ABC put out a pilot for this show called Extreme, which uh, the plot of it is basically a search and rescue team operating a Bell 204B Super Huey helicopter in the Rocky Mountains of Utah. Show, show basically chronicles the rescue team. 
this thing was an epic flop and it got canceled after I think like six episodes. So this was sort of the turning point where they said, you know, we got to put like established stuff on here more often. I, I, I mean, I can see that. And this had a killer cast, James Brolin, Julie Bowen, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I mean, that's, that's nothing to sneeze at. So the show, you know, I've never even heard of it before we did research for this discussion. So it must be just awful. Yeah, it did not last very long. There were seven unaired episodes of the show. They had they got a thirteen episode order. They didn't air the last six. It just got so bad in the ratings. Wow. Yeah, I think the established choice is better. People want to see something they're familiar with. They just want something to digest the Super Bowl in the background. They don't want to. I mean, I'm looking here, 1993, Homicide, Life on the Street, The Pilot. That's the last thing I want to watch after a Super Bowl. And imagine if your favorite team lost in the Super Bowl, and then you're going to watch a show called Homicide and Life on the Street. I mean, it just doesn't feel like a, a fit to me. Yeah, I think for there's basically two theories I've seen how this plays out, which is usually either option A, which is let's take one of our hits shows, put it on after the Super Bowl, try and supercharge an audience for it and have it be a big hit going forward, which can work. Sometimes it doesn't work. We'll f- talk about that. But the other option is... We have this pilot we're excited about, and we're going to put it on after the game. We have this big audience, and we draw an audience to the show. So this is basically the difference between like the equalizer approach and the friends approach. So I think which one do you like better? Well, I see, I see both both sides of the coin. You know, when let's say it's not Super Bowl, and you have a new sitcom that you want to debut, you're going to put it on after your established show. The Super Bowl is the most established show in American pop culture. So by that rationale, I get it. I just don't think it works necessarily. I'm going to say go with an established show that's in its prime and just force feed a special episode or something like that post Super Bowl to get the ratings. Because if you look at a lot of these, a lot of these are themed around football. All these like shows, yeah. so there's a there's a precedent for it. And I think it should just. I think that's the way to go, personally. Yeah, I think it's the way to go myself, too. If I was a TV executive, I want to say, you know, like, I have a show that did pretty well its first year, second year. Like, I have the slot. Let me put a special-themed episode on afterwards, see if I can draw a more general audience to it. And then they'll either go back and watch the old ones, they'll stick around and keep going forward. I think that's the way I would play it. So if I were CBS right now, I would take a show like The Neighborhood and have Max Greenfield and Cedric the Entertainer have a Super Bowl special where they have a Super Bowl party episode I would make it its own thing and have that follow the Super Bowl. That's what I would do if I was CBS. Yeah, because CBS, I think, like, there were a couple ways to go. So I'll, I'll give my thoughts later on, but I don't. Not, I would not have gone this route. There were a couple other ways I would have gone. For sure, for sure. The Equalizer might be one of the – and this is no knock on the program and all the people that have worked on it and have put their heart and soul into it. I think post-Super Bowl is not the way to kick this off. Yeah, I don't think so either. Let's take a look here. We'll, we'll go through some networks here. We'll, we'll go since 95, since after the extreme flop. We'll see. We'll take a look at some of the strategies here and see how these networks are done. This is where you go by the four broadcast networks who've had Super Bowls. ABC only had three in that span. NBC's had fewer. Fox, CBS are the most. But we'll start with NBC, who is in the rotation right now. They've not had it because they're supposed to be their year this year. They flip-flop with CBS. They wanted to get the lead into the Winter Olympics in 22. So NBC, as you said, pointed out, it started out with the Friends in 96. They won out the Super Bowl. That was the highest rated post-Super Bowl program. 50, over nearly 53 million viewers. Then a couple of years after that, they had Third Rock from the Sun. Two-part episode. 
Then they had the hiatus till 2009. They come back with The Office, the two-parter stretch release that you watched. They had the season debut of The Voice one year. They brought The Blacklist in in a prime episode. And then two years, a couple years ago, the last one they did was the season two episode of This Is Us, where we find out how Jack died in the past. So I think strong lineup from, from NBC. And NBC may have had, like, Friends may be the highest rated, but the This Is Us play, now there's a drama after the Super Bowl, but with a hook that is surely to bring in the viewers, that is the smartest play we've discussed so far, that This Is Us, big character reveal that everyone has been talking about, to put that on after the Super Bowl, pure genius. Yeah, and this is a show that fits in that sweet spot where I like, where it's like, you know, it had a big first season with season two, and then they said, hey, give us a special Super Bowl episode and put a big reveal in to, to hook the audience. They did a great job with that. Yeah, I mean, you look at the numbers, uh, 26.98 million viewers. It's not the highest number. I'd say it's pretty middle of the pack, but post-Super Bowl at 10.45 p.m. Eastern time, not too shabby. No, not too shabby. I think it's still the highest rate episode of the series at this point. Well, there you go. There you go. And that's a very successful series. Yeah. Let's go to ABC. And let's give them the, in terms of a grade for them, I think they get an A for me. I would second that. Okay. ABC only has three offerings in this time period. We will go back first to 1990, actually 2000, and they got the Super Bowl. They had the practice, an episode of that on. 2003 was Alias, only drew 17 million viewers. And again, they had the latest, one of the latest starts here at 11.15 p.m. because it, for some reason this, they had, I think, a post-game John Bon Jovi concert after the after that one before <laughs> they did that. And then they did Grey's Anatomy in their last Super Bowl, and that one got drew 37 million viewers. I think it was in season two of Grey's Anatomy. It supercharged that show. So I think that one saves the Grey a little bit. Sure, and if you don't want to count extreme. Uh, if, if we're giving them a pass on extreme, I'd we are. say they get a. Okay, I'd say they get a C plus. Yeah, I think they get a. For me, I think the Grey's Anatomy thing saves it a lot because, like, that show. I mean, was fine. They got the Super Bowl slot. They get thirty-seven million viewers. They're still on the air today, and that aired in two thousand six. That says a lot. Sure, I I would say that earns the C plus. Otherwise, the other two seventeen million viewers for Alias and the practice. Very, very lackluster. So I would say that brings it up to a C-plus for me, and I, I get it. The Grey's Anatomy thing is quite impressive. Yeah, and it's a tough it's tough sell. I think B-minus for me. I think they the, that saves it. The practice I understood. Alias, they got screwed a little bit because of the late, the late start to that, but not an inspired choice there. No, and only three to choose from. Yeah, only And we're giving them a pass on Extreme when we used Friends for NBC. So I think they they get a C plus and they should be very happy with that. Well, I mean, we started right after Extreme. Friends are the first one on the on the bracket we're doing here. Okay, okay. And in that case, I'm sticking with my C plus, but a little more slack cut to ABC. All right, let's go to Fox now because Fox had it last year. They they started their first Super Bowl in 1997. They had an episode of the X Files. Then we had, as you mentioned, the Family Guy Simpsons combo platter. Malcolm in the Middle a two parter. We had The Simpsons debuting into American Dad, House, Glee, A New Girl, Brooklyn Nine-Nine combo, the aforementioned 24 Legacy, and last year, The Masked Singer, their first their first episode of season, th- of season three, I believe, and I think it's a pretty mixed bag, but I feel like Masked Singer last year was a good choice. 
Uh, Mass Singer is a perfect choice for post Super Bowl fare. I think they they have a lot of hits and misses, like you said, mixed bag. I'm going to give them a B. Yeah. I think it's a B. I like what they did where they would take like the one, especially the sitcom approach, they take the one hit sitcom and try and launch another one after it. I think that's a smarter way to do it than say, okay, you know, like, here's random drama pilot. Hope you stick around and like it. For sure, for sure. And and House is a questionable choice, but House is light enough and is like not bogged down too bad. So I'm fine with that. Simpsons is like a fail safe. I mean, they didn't even draw big numbers for the Simpsons. It's just a, it's almost like a very easy route that Fox has taken over the years. And then the few risks they took didn't always pan out. I also think but, the, the Glee choice is also a great choice for post Bowl. That's a nice light fare and very fun to get you into the, have some fun after the game. Absolutely. And like I said, a safe choice. You know, I'm good with Glee there. It's a, it's a, it's a B. I could be swayed to a B plus, but I'm going to stick with B. I think a B plus, and I get the 24 legacy thing. I know it's an established brand of 24 at that point. The problem was obviously without Kiefer having the uneven plot in, in that episode, did not do a good job stick it, getting people to stick around for it. And that one started, like, as I said, very, very late because of the overtime, and that really killed it. Did you watch this show? I did. And how was it? It did not do well. It was not good. Okay. I, you said that earlier. I just uh, wanted to get back into it. Yeah. Yeah, it was not good. There were a lot of the problems that 24 had sort of resurfaced in the show. I mean, the casting was great, but there were a lot of times they didn't know what to do with half the people they had on the show. And then they made a desperate plea to get like classic viewers back by bringing in, I think, like Carlos Bernard's Tony Almeida character, bring him back into the mix. And it's a very mixed bag. And I understood why they canceled it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, B, B plus, uh, I'm, I'm good with those grades. Okay. Now we'll get to the following, which is CBS, and they've had a really bad run of late. I, I mean, what catches my eye off the bat is running a Stephen Colbert episode with a bunch of big guests, but that is just like, what fun is that? There's zero fun in that. It's just, let's throw on our guy with a bunch of like famous people and we'll, you know, do the hand wipe emoji and yeah. get on with our day. It's just so boring of a choice, regardless of how good the talk show was that evening. That's the first thing that jumps out to me. It's just like, it's just kind of like, you know, a, a soggy spaghetti. Yeah, so let's go down the list here at CBS. They start out, they get the 2001 Super Bowl, Super Bowl slot. Survivor 2, Survivor the Australian Outback, drew 45 million viewers. I mean, you had to do that. It was like right after Survivor 1 was a big deal. That was supercharged the show, and the show's still on the air, so good job from that one. 2004, Survivor All-Stars. That also makes sense because you bring back all the big characters the first seven seasons of the show. Got 33 million viewers. Good job there. The turning point for me, Super Bowl 46. They put Criminal Minds on after the game, and that one I was like, Literally, I just did not understand the logic of that choice because it's a brutally dark and depressing show. And I was sitting there. I, when I heard that decision was made, I literally sat there and just went, What the hell's going on out here? Yeah. yeah. And the aptly titled episode, The Big Game, it just doesn't fit. Something, it's, it's just entirely off in all ways. Now, I mean, it drew 26 million viewers and Criminal Minds didn't last until about last year. So I guess it helped. But. 
the thematic fit was not there. Because remember, I was mad at the times. I was a How I Met Your Mother fan, and that was right in that slot of, okay, young show. They had a perfect football themed episode. They had, like, a whole Super Bowl-driven plot, and they had Emmett Smith guest starring in the episode, and they had a perfect spot there for it, and they chose not to use it. Lame. I would have went with that 100 times out of 100. And, and the 26 million viewers, pretty good, but it's just like you said, it's a head-scratcher. Yeah, because... This episode, remember this, the plot is so fun because it's literally like they talk about the gang like has a big Super Bowl party every year. And then there's a funeral at the night of the game, big games. So they're all trying to avoid it the next day to watch it together. And then we have all these shenanigans ensue. And Barney's like trying to like find out like how he bet and not like give it away. All sorts of crazy shenanigans. Yeah, missed opportunity for sure. That's that one. Then the year, the next one they do, they do Elementary, which is a completely average show, and I think it was like pretty deep into its run at that point. I'm like, I didn't understand why they went there either. Yeah, I think they were just trying to stick something there that they wanted to do well in that position, regardless of how it was going to perform, and it didn't perform too great. Yeah, it did. It got 20 million viewers. It's one of the lower ones to this point. Yeah, not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Then we get the Colbert thing, which I get they had, like, they just, I think Colbert had lost the year before and said, you know, let's try and get bigger attention. But for me, like, could you just do that to the late local news? You did, could you put a different show on than had him be on at, like, 1130? Yeah, it just, there was no, like I said, it was, like, a lame choice. There was no separating the Super Bowl from a regular weeknight at that point. No, it made no sense. And some of the guests they had on there, I mean, Tina Fey, Margot Robbie, Will Ferrell, Megan Kelly, Key, Michael Key, and, uh, Key and Peel is nice, but like anybody on that list at that point really stuck out. He was like, "Oh, I got to stick around and watch them on Colbert." Not after a Super Bowl, no. No, that's like a good. That's like a superstar, like every night lineup, but like for post Super Bowl, you could have shot higher. Yeah, at least get some football personalities on there. Yeah, Just I mean, like, miss the boat. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't get. I'm trying to think of like who the appropriate guy would be. I mean, like you couldn't have gotten. Uh, you want to say like I think it's the year after Peyton Manning retired. You couldn't have gotten him. Yeah, I mean, even if you bring somebody like a true character, like a Joe Namath type, or or or, or Michael Irvin, always an entertaining interview. You can't get someone like that. Come on. Yeah, and then this one I forgot about was. 2019, they launched the reality show The World's Best, which I'm going to read the description here. It was a reality t- talent competition series. It featured international performers being evaluated by three judges, Drew Barrymore, RuPaul, Faith Hill, hosted by James Corden, and this thing was one and done. Yeah, I vaguely remember the trailers. I remember thinking, didn't they do something in the trailer like a dog? There was like a dog balancing a ball or juggling or doing flips. I don't know. Something, I remember seeing the trailer and go, oh, I'm never going to watch that. Yeah. And again, like it was a flop. Like post-Super Bowl slot, it, it got 22 million people, which is nothing. Right. So a big, big flop. Yeah. So I think for them, they're getting a solid D from me in their choices. I will second that. Not a good run. The only reason they don't fail is because they had the two survivor slots, and those were both good choices at the time. Yeah, the survivors saved the day for them, but not in our view. Not in the, not in the grand scheme of things. No, like if we had stopped grading of 2004, they would have had an A+. Plus. For sure. they would have. If they kept that momentum going, hands down, the best, the best network at figuring out what to do. But, I mean, unfortunately, the equalizer is just going to add to that grade, I feel. 
And do you have a prediction of how many viewers it's going to pull in? I'm going to say low 20s. Now, I'm going to give them a break here because there are less Super Bowl parties this year. So there are more people who are just going to leave the TV running at their house and kind of just see what's on. I'm going to say 25. Yeah, that's pushing mass singer area. I feel like it's a high. It might be high. It's a bold choice. It's something I'm uh, not putting too much stock in, so I'm just going to go out there and say 25. The other thing that bothers my mind about CBS's choice is they've had so many big shows in this time span that have that they didn't bother putting on a Super Bowl post Super Bowl slot. Like we never got the Big Bang Theory post Super Bowl. We never got like NCIS post Super Bowl. Like they've had big hits, they just never used them. Well, clearly there's an executive there who just sees the Super Bowl as a chance to launch a new show with the with the lead in and it's the lead out and it's just not clicking most of the time. Yeah, because like I think a Big Bang Theory episode would have killed. Uh yeah. I mean and and they also had big success. You know what? I'm gonna bump their grade up to a C because Undercover Boss did big numbers as well. Yeah, well that was the I think that was the one where they did okay and they're like, oh we can launch stuff. We're gonna we're gonna do that from now on. Yeah, so it's it's kind of a double-edged sword, but I, I'm going to bump it up to C. 38 million viewers is really great. So uh, I'm I'm giving them kudos. They've had they've had a lot of hits and some really head scratchers. So I'm going to C final grade for CBS. CBS. I'm still sticking with the D because that, that doesn't help me that much because like it just I just like you said, there's too many missed opportunities here because they've had. Big hit after big hit on that show. They were the number one watch network for about like a decade. None of their big shows made the post-Super Bowl slot. Very, uh, maybe they got cocky about it. Maybe they thought whatever we throw up, people will watch. Yeah, get another one of that Criminal Minds slot there. Like the NCIS would have been a good pick there too because that show was really like rising at that point. You could have really like jet charged that if you put a good episode on for the Super Bowl. Sure. I mean, to me, it's still in the vein of why would I sit down and watch this drama? But I get what you're saying. It was hot. You want to capitalize on that momentum, but it seems like they just want to do things their way. Yeah. And that show, like at that point, a lot of, it's not your typical like crime drama where they have like, you have like a lot of quirky characters. They'll have like goofy, like dynamics between them. And like, you could have fun, a fun case in there and show the characters interactions and say, Oh, I want to watch these guys on a weekly basis. Yeah. You could definitely throw a lighthearted episode in for sure. Yeah, so now we get back to what they could have done this year. I mean, Equalizer, It's a. I feel like it's an average choice. It's like, okay, we have this new show. We have Queen Latifah in it. We have a star. It's got some action. I think it's a meh choice. Like, they could have done better. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I would have put the neighborhood in there or something way lighter and just kind of rolled with that. I put the Equalizer on. It's like, oh, I just watched a shootout, which I think it's going to be between the Bucks and the Chiefs, the high emotion, high energy. And now I'm going to re- reset myself and get invested in this new drama with a heavy like theme. Concept. And it's just not clicking for me. Yeah, I think the... I my my I have two options I think here. Number one is what you did is do a sitcom doubleheader. Like put young Sheldon on, then lead into the neighborhood and have that sort of be your, your bang for your buck there. That's a good one. That's a good one. And, you know, it's, it's unfair of me to judge Equalizer because I'm sure it's going to be a quality program. Uh, I'm just not much of an action-type person, so it doesn't speak to me in that sense either. Yeah, number two, this is one I'm surprised they didn't take considering their luck with the reality in the past. 
I think if you want to supercharge a show, they have a new cycle of Tough as Nails coming out on next Wednesday on the 10th. Like, you couldn't put the first episode on after the Super Bowl and say, hey, guys, look at this. We got these essential workers. They're trying. It's a heartwarming show. Fits kind of thematically after the Super Bowl and say, you know what? Like, here's episode one. Episode two is on Wednesday. Like, watch and see what happens. That's another great, great option. And I think in the time of COVID in the land of respecting and appreciating first responders and people who are there on the front lines, you do a tough as nail, you get people invested and they care about the, the people on the show. For sure. Great choice. That's where I would have gone. Cause I would have said, this is the right like thematic fit. We're bringing essential. We're, we're bringing vaccinated healthcare workers, Super Bowl, giving them free tickets there. Let's show a little appreciation for some of America's hardest workers. I agree. That is a phenomenal idea. And it's, it shows why I'm not working at CBS because I don't have that kind. They don't have that kind of foresight. Yeah, no, I, I, it's CBS could greatly benefit from the wisdom of Mike Phillips. Yeah, I'm gonna put that out there. Like, I have ideas. Like, if you want them, they're 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 available. <laughs> You're an idea man. Yeah. Seeking of one more before we close this out. Next year, NBC has the big game again, and they have the Olympics coming, so they're gonna want to. They're going to be very tricky here finds them because they're going to have the Olympics coming after. It's not going to be a typical, like, launch. So what would you do with the post-Super Bowl slot? Let's see here. So I'm looking at NBC's current lineup. Because based on our discussion, we're not going to throw something new out there. We're going to go with something that sticks. The voice is a clear, obvious choice. I mean, you know, that's something that they can bank, take to the bank. People will watch. People will enjoy. Blah blah blah. This is us was a great choice. I'm going to go with, and this would probably be around season two at this point of a show that I greatly enjoyed since it debuted. I would get an LA themed Super Bowl episode of Mr. Mayor starring Ted Danson to follow the Super Bowl next year. That would be fun because I believe the Super Bowl is in LA next year. Am I correct? It is. Yeah, so there you go. Boom, layup. You have Mr. Mayor navigating the waters of the Super Bowl being in town. Put it on right after the Super Bowl. Yeah. Lighthearted comedy. Boom. Yeah, like I think it's tough with them because, like, obviously they have the Olympics and there's going to be a lot of Olympic programming. So, like, you're looking for something, in my opinion, where you're like, okay, we have – we're going to put an episode out. We'll put another episode out. we got to ask people to hold on for two weeks after we – because we have all the Olympics in primetime. So it's a tricky spot to try to figure out what to put there. Well, aren't the Olympics going to be in L.A. as well? No, they're not going to be in L.A. They're going to be, I think, this is winter games. I think they're actually at oh, Beijing. Oh, oh. oh, okay. Okay, never mind. But, yeah, that's where I would go with it. Yeah, I mean, I could see them doing This Is Us again. If it's still, like, peaking, that's possible. I think they – I could see them if they have, like, one of these, like, maybe, like, an Allen's Game of Games. Maybe something like that could be fun. Something lighthearted, fair. Like maybe like weakest link if they they're on the game show kick. I think in terms of the original content, maybe one of the Chicago shows also be something I could see. Okay, maybe we'll get just put something established in there and just get an audience for it. I mean that's a good choice too. Yeah, I think the voice though would probably be my leader, depending on like what they're when they're going to run the episodes. Like I said, voice is a safe choice. People will watch. They'll do fine. It'll be it'll be what it'll be. You're not going to get anything new. You're not going to get anything you can expect. It would be a safe choice. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up their lineup right now so I can see like what options they have on there because it's tough because I'm just trying to go all pants. I'm not a big NBC viewer. 
So I'm looking at this list right now on my on my site here. I pulled up on good old TV line because I'm looking here like Superstore would have been fun, but the show is getting canceled. Mr. Mayor, I like your take there. I think that's going to be fun. I think maybe The Voice, maybe like The Wall, like the game show that LeBron produces, that's one to could see maybe. No, you know what they could also do? And that's run a uh, an SNL. And you have a brand new episode of SNL with a football host. That's also interesting too. Like a, a special Sunday edition of, and you do like a mini episode. You, you don't have to do the full hour and a half because it'd be tough. Yeah, do, but, do like a, yeah, maybe I'd say the other one I could think of maybe Zoe's extraordinary extraordinary playlist. I feel like that's sort of the light, hearty thematic. You could easily sneak a Super Bowl themed episode in there. Yeah, that'd be a good choice too. Yeah, so they got some options. We'll see how they go. Alan, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I'll be follow social media. Give us some of the stuff you're up to. I'm up to the Alan Austin show will be making its grand return to YouTube in the coming weeks. Stay tuned for that. I'm also doing a podcast called American scene where we discuss films with American in the title and what they mean to America and the culture values and so on. And you can follow that and on Instagram at American scene pod. You can follow me on Instagram, Alan Austin sports on Twitter, Alan underscore Austin underscore and, uh, yeah, connect with me. Let me know if you think my opinions are terrible. I'm open to that kind of critique. All right, Alan. I'll, I'll definitely let people know to do that. Thanks again. No, thank you, Mike. Always a pleasure. All right, and that will do it for this week's show. I want to thank my guest, Russell Baxter, for calling in to break down the Super Bowl 55 matchup. I also want to thank Kevin Lillis for doing the Super Bowl picks on the podcast and the great Alan Oz for having a fun chat about the Super Bowl lead-out program and the history of it for these four major networks. We want more good stuff like this podcast, including the Super Bowl picks for all 17 members of Teen Challengers on Show Me the Money this year. That's an annual tradition. It's on the blog over at justandthesuffering.wordpress.com. Go subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just End the Suffering on any of those platforms. You find all episodes there, including both episodes that came out last week. Our Super Bowl betting special with WFAN's John Dostremski, Sports Bros. Kevin Walsh. As well as a special baseball episode talking about the Hall of Fame and the stuff with the Cactus League and the lack of any free agent market with our legal guy, Phil Freya. That, those are in the podcast archives. Give your feedback and star rating as well. Or because podcast even better going forward. Go subscribe to my YouTube channel, Mike Phillips on YouTube. You can see individual conversations on the episodes there. Like today's chat with Russell Baxter, the picks, and Alan's chat about the Super Bowl lead-out program are all going to be on the YouTube channel as well. Go also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-3-3-1. Coming up next week on the podcast, we're going to recap the big game. Annual tradition on the podcast. Joe D'Aloisio back. Do the recaps and look ahead to the offseason. Sandra's a pop culture halftime and more. Until then, have a better week than the Bills fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.